This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and we have a great set of episodes for you today with Anna Isemont and Sierra Schlag. Uh, I decided to do both of these episodes in one. One, they're a little shorter, um, and I kind of wanted to get as much exposure, exposure, exposure as possible uh, to the episode uh, for both of these ladies because they're both amazing. Both of them have new film projects that are dropping this fall, so please take a look at those, uh, and I will include all the information in the show notes um, before we jump into those episodes. A few things going on. One, please go check out the new gear guide. It is our first print product ever, and I am so psyched on the feedback that we have gotten so far. Uh, multiple people have told me it is the best gear guide of the year. This is not, I feel like Trump when I say that. Does that like makes, you know what I mean? It's like, it's the best one ever. That's, <laughs> that's a terrible <laughs> accent. Um, and I hate that guy, but nonetheless, it is the best gear guide of the year because it's not ridiculous. It, it, it holds its own space, right? Like it is very simple. It's artsy. It's something you just want to keep. It's not a thing that you're just going to throw away. Right. There is articles in there written by myself, X, Emily Sullivan, um, and it's, uh, it's great. Like there's contributors like Hank Stowers, Sierra Schlag has an article in there. Traylon Steele has an article in there. Aaron Spong has an article in there. Who else? So many people. Renee McCurdy, our, our very own Renee McCurdy has an article in there. It's, uh, I'm really proud of it. Ethan did a great job putting it together. So that's for Ethan. Um, and there's also a print from the ever-so-talented Shane McFalls uh, of the cover that is available as well. Cy Whitling did a checklist that is available on the site as well. Uh, I'm psyched. The whole thing came together really well, um, and uh, and you should go check it out. Just go to getthecollective.com and check out that, as well as all the new drops, all the new merch, all that good stuff is available there. Uh, we're sending them out to... 50 to 60 ski shops across the country in Canada, across the country and Canada. Like Canada's not a country. And yeah, so they will be in local ski shops as well. Uh, if you have a ski shop, you work at a ski shop, you go to a local ski shop that you love very much. Be sure to DM me and give me the info for that shop and we'll, uh, we'll get one to them. So before we continue on our path, be sure to, Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and I will stop asking for stuff starting now, kind of. First and foremost, we have 686 as a sponsor of the Out of Bounds Podcast. I am a huge fan of 686, and I cannot imagine wearing any other pant other than the Everywhere pant. It is the best product that exists in the pant space, okay? That is not an exaggeration. I have like 20 of them in my wardrobe. Ethan only has the same pair of khaki colored everywhere pants. Literally like he has 40 of the same khaki pants. So if you ever see Ethan multiple days in the same pair of pants, it's not the same pair. It's just another of the same color. Anyway, uh, they just dropped their new line of outerwear. Um, it actually just dropped this past Tuesday as well as the winter capsule that dropped prior in drop one. I know this sounds like a lot, 
but there is a lot going on right now with 686 and they have so many products starting at like price point stuff 199 ish price point for a new ski jacket all the way up to the gucci gucci in uh the gore-tex shell ethan can you scroll up up yeah so this is what i'm wearing this season 686's gore-tex pro three layer thermograph jacket it's pretty nuts I would highly recommend you check it out. The mapping on that thing is crazy. I cannot imagine a better hard shell for skiing the resort and skiing the backcountry as well. Like, it's it's a really solid product, and I'm psyched. I got to think of a name, but everybody's going to be wearing all gray this year. So uh, check out everything 686 has to offer at 686.com. Uh, and let me know what you think. If you have questions on sizing, if you have questions on fit, on gear, on any of that stuff, Check it out. Let me know what you think. Next up, uh, we have our friends at Mountain Flow Eco Wax. Uh, these guys make everything from bicycle chain lube, degreasers. Uh, they make everything. Bike. What's the bike lot? Bike lush. Lust. What's the word I'm looking for here? All the way down. Bike polish. Somebody else calls it something different, but not important. They make everything to take care of your bike maintenance wise, um, wet lubes, dry lubes, all weather lubes, wax, like I said, degreasers and cleaners and polishes as well as uh, brushes and like whole enchilada kits, the whole deal. They also make the very best in ski wax products. Like point blank, the stuff is awesome. It works extremely well and it is not made from any petroleum based products. It is, uh, it is good for the, it's, it's not bad for the environment. I shouldn't say anything's good for the environment because inherently more stuff, more bad. But we all need ski wax. If you're going to use a ski wax, make it Mountain Flow Eco Wax because it is not harmful to the environment that we all care so much about. Uh, check out more about Mountain Flow and what they're about at mountainflow.com. You can use promo code out of bounds to save 15% off if you are inclined to buy a product on their website. Use promo code out of bounds, save yourself 15 off if you are going to prep for the season and get your stuff all waxed, which I would highly recommend. It is extremely therapeutic and, uh, yeah, much recommend. So all that being said, enjoy this episode with Anna and then with Sierra. Well, um, my name's Anna Acemont. I am from Colorado um, or a suburb of Denver called Littleton, so definitely not a mountain town at all but I grew up there doing gymnastics and then currently I am living in Carbondale Colorado which is outside of Aspen and to the past two winters I've been in Salt Lake skiing in the Wasatch backcountry and Snowbird Alta out there and it's kind of where I started down this path of free ride backcountry big mountain skiing sick um can i ask you before we kind of get into you and a little bit more about what you do and your career and all that stuff what how do you feel about denver i hate it <laughs> <laughs> but it's i think i i guess that's a strong opinion but I, I grew up there and it's like crowded and a lot of people are moving there um i love going home and visiting i have a lot of friends in the city like in yeah. denver so it's fun a fun weekend trip, but like not, not a place for me to be permanently ever. It's, uh, 
I hate that place. I hate that place <laughs> so much. Um, yeah. It's like the only time yeah. I'm in Denver is like when I'm either going somewhere, obviously, like into the mountain towns, or if I'm like there for the like for where OR was before, like at the convention center. Yeah. So my only like real memories, like consistently, yeah. are convention center, airport, right, Sixteenth Street Mall. Yeah, and the right? airport's far away. Like there's not there's nothing close to Denver. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's an interesting place, but. I always talked a lot of like, I was always like, I'll never move back to Colorado. <laughs> when I lived in Utah, I was like, I'll never go back to Colorado. I hate Colorado. And now I'm like in Carbondale and I'm like kind of a hypocrite about it, but it's just, I didn't want to be in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> Carbondale's <laughs> way different though. Like you couldn't get a more different yeah. place than Denver. Like It's so different. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What do you like about living in Carbondale? I mean, you've obviously only been there for a little bit, but like first impressions, what do you think? There's so many things I love, but I think number one and like the biggest reason I want to be here is the people like everybody I've met has been so down to earth, but then they do these amazing things in the mountains and you wouldn't even really know because they're just genuine, kind, they're inviting and um, oh my gosh, I could go on all day about the people I've met here. They're all great. And then also like the access to the mountains. I've only been here in the summer. I've never skied here or I did one hut trip here last season. And luckily the snow was really good. So I have like a good idea of what yeah. the snow could be like and the skiing could be like here. But um, the summer here has been really remarkable, like very easy to go running or biking and like get into the high Alpine compared yeah. to like, other places. So what? I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, I I, I've only been a couple times and every time I've been, I've been like, this is, this is where I want to be as opposed to being in that yeah. shithole. Um, the, where's home Hill now? Like what's, is it going to be Aspen? Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to split my time pretty evenly between here and Salt Lake. Okay. Um, yeah, the drive, like I can drive pretty far without, like by myself, like not unbothered. <laughs> I've been like doing it for a long time. So like the six and a half hour drive is like easy. And then um I have a lot of friends in Salt Lake I can stay with. But like home base will be Carbondale and then Yalski, like the Elks, so backcountry here and um yep. yeah, Aspen. Okay. How much of your time is spent on resort versus in the backcountry at this point? I'd say the past so I really just kind of got into all of that, like in Utah, la like in the past two winters. And I'd say it was split pretty evenly, if anything, probably more resort okay. skiing, like more at Snowbird and Alta. Um, I think I'm trying to be more in the backcountry this season, though. That would be a goal. Yeah. Do more like bigger objectives and like put my time in out there to like feel more confident. I'm pretty afraid of avalanches so <laughs> it's probably good to have in a good way yeah, yeah. it's probably good to have like a solid but... fear yeah I mean why not yeah um yes. why so why move if you're gonna split time all the time well <laughs> I like moving around I like being like pretty nomadic um like I said I want this to I love the people here. It's like a really big reason I want to be in Carbondale, but I love the skiing in salt in like Utah. Right. So I just want the best of both worlds, I guess. 
Not that the people in Salt Lake aren't amazing too. That's but. what I was getting at next. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. okay, so everybody in Salt Lake is bad. Um, no, no, just small doses. It's just this. I like the small town too. Like I like being in a small town, and um, no, I I feel like maybe some people can't relate to this, but I like going to like grocery like a grocery store and like seeing people that I know and like. Oh wow. I'm like the yeah, opposite like, of that. Like I'm, I cannot relate at all. If I go to the grocery store, I want to talk to nobody. Yeah, like, like blinders on. Yeah. I know. I, that's the reaction I get a lot of the time. But I, I've been really enjoying like the small town. Like it's a very good community, and like, um, like I said, everyone's so inviting, and they all want to do the same things and have fun, and like it's really easy to go on adventures with people. And not that you can't do that in Salt Lake, but when it's a city, it's just a little. For me, it's like I didn't feel as a part of the community, I guess. Yeah. No, the city sucks. Like, being in Salt Lake sucks. Like, uh, there's no – obviously, I'm not a huge – I'm over two here on cities. But, like, it's it, it's not my favorite. I like, obviously, the proximity to the mountains is really yeah. great. But I guess it, airport. you can really – yeah, the airport. It's – you kind of can't have one without the other, though, right? Like, that's the – Yeah. If you're going to be that close to the mountains, you have to know the place is going to be flooded with people. The airport's going to yep. be that close. You have to know that the major city is going to be flooded with people. That's just, it's part of it. Every time someone complains about the traffic, I like, part of me is like, yeah, the traffic sucks ass. Like that does not sound enticing at all, but it also is like, you kind of know what you're getting into. Like if I go to the resort, like if I go to Stowe or any Vail Resorts product or Icon product on a weekend, like on a holiday weekend, I don't expect there to be no traffic, Right. So yeah, you have to know going into it, right? Like you're, I, I'm you're accepting. Okay yeah. I'm accepting that I'm sitting in two hours of traffic. It. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm not one to complain about traffic. I kind of like it. Um, especially <laughs> in Utah, like it's, it's not bad. Like I've been, I was like, I, when I started skiing and I was like at Boulder. So I go from Boulder, take I-70 to like, so that that traffic is bad, yeah. but then <laughs> Utah people are like complaining about all the traffic and it's so oversaturated all this stuff and I'm like this is pretty easy for me like I can be sitting in traffic for six miles like yeah. it's way better than 39 yeah like yeah I-70 is definitely it, not ideal right like it's it is what it is like when they shut that shit down they shut that shit down like they mean it, right? Like it is dead stop. You're just waiting until they're done. Like until they're done closing it, you are, yes, yeah. you live there. It is a truck stop. Yeah, you better have some snacks for sure. <sighs> yeah, most beautiful truck stop in the world. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you. I kind of disagree with you. Like I like small town feel. I, I think maybe I'd lived in a mm -hmm. place like Carbondale a little different, but there's something about people watching me buy my vegetables that I don't love knowing like, what you're yeah yeah like i want to buy a fucking buttload of sour patch kids and not feel judged you know what i mean and no one can know yeah exactly yeah. it's a secret i mean now people know but no, like it's it. yeah it's i like to keep it <laughs> close to chest but um anyway uh let's talk about actual ski stuff how what are your goals kind of as a professional skier as this becomes like the majority of your time as you're committed to this thing and you have ski sponsors and people to worry about and like commitments to make what what is your goal as an athlete are you are you a big goal setter do you set these kind of things the season prior or do you just kind of wing it and see what happens um yeah i think you kind of touched on it. like my goal is to be a professional skier 
Um, I don't really know exactly what that means to me quite yet, but I, for me to get there. And um, I think I just want to, yeah. So I do set goals. I want to ski steeper lines this season. I want to go bigger off of cliffs and things. And I want to bring freestyle, like my gymnastics background into big mountain terrain. So like, I want to progress in those ways, scare myself a little bit. Um, and just push my level of where I'm at now to like that next step, which could be on like a professional skier level. Right. Um, what is, what does that look like? Right. When you're setting these goals, what is the, what's the plan to achieve these kind of things, I guess. Um, well, last year I like wrote these like tricks down, like I wrote them down and like, had a journal about it and stuff. And I didn't check one thing off. I think it's pretty funny. Like I didn't have one goal that I accomplished as far as like the actual trick I wanted to do. Um, I think I was like pretty timid last year, which is a big reason I'm set, like kind of setting a different type of goal system this year is I just want to, I don't want to like hold myself back. I was like a little afraid or I would make excuses about, the snow conditions or something. And I want to have a little level of fear, but I just want to push through those boundaries at the beginning of the season, kind of start off by like pushing through that fear and then um, realizing like, if I try something, I'm going to be okay. And then continue from there and not maybe setting like, so such specific ideas for goals, like a certain trick or a certain cliff that I want to hit at snowbird or something. What, what was one goal that you had last season that you were like, I really, I should have done this. I could have done this. This was in, was within reach and I didn't. Um, I was at a, definitely a cork seven. I wanted it really badly. I was at Woodward doing like the ramps into the foam pit. I had the body awareness of it, the takeoff. It was like knew where I was in the air. And then um, it just never really aligned. Like I say that as kind of an excuse, but I think I was just scared. <laughs> what? Why? Like I've watched you throw a double into your teeth and <laughs> it, this scares you. Like I'm, that's what I'm trying to understand. I guess. I, know. I, I, I talk about this a lot. Kind of like, I'm not that Sunday of a person. Like I don't, and it looks like I am with that crash <laughs> video and some of the other things I do, but like, I know I can do a double back. I've done it in gymnastics, like I've, I've practiced it. Like I can feel it when I um, do like one backflip, I'm like, Oh, okay. I know the rotation. Like I feel good on this. And like, if I fall, like I kind of know how to fall. Not <laughs> my face was okay. Like everything. Was I'm good. not judging. I cannot do either. So, like I'm yeah, that, that's a, uh, I'm not judging. <laughs> I think I went into that pretty like dialed and then um it just sometimes it doesn't you don't come out on top all the time and like that's okay but um with like a cork seven and like cork threes or things that I'm not used to doing like these rotations that are off axis like off a vertical axis like I don't really know what it's going to be like with a pair of skis on my feet and like I can't always picture the landing and visualizing is really hard and it just it freaks me out because there's a level of uncertainty going into it whereas like tricks like backflips and just like flat or not flat threes, but like a normal three is like, it makes sense in my brain. So like 
But also I pushed when I was first starting to like learn those tricks, there was that barrier of like, I don't know how this is going to go. This like uncertainty that I had to get through. And then when I tried it one time, it took like that one commitment, that one like moment to like go for it. I definitely clipped my tips on my first backflip, but I was good. I was like, okay, that's like probably worst case scenario. Like I can do this again and be okay. And like probably land it next time or get closer and closer each time I try it. So it's like, that's now the progression I need to take with like the next things I want to try to learn how to do. And Mm -hmm. it's like a, feels like a, I didn't break through that barrier last season. So just like breaking through that barrier would be a goal this season compared to like landing a cork seven. Yeah. So you're not like writing these goals out. What, what is your plan then to kind of get yourself in the right headspace to make this stuff happen? Because that's, I I was talking about this Um, with a friend, I think the other day where it's like, yes, the athleticism is obviously a thing. The skill is obviously a thing, but I would probably argue it's more mental than both of those things as an individual, right? Like all three of those things make up what people do as a skier. Right. Exactly. Like the mental aspect of it is so big in snow sports. It really is. Like, I'd say it's like 90% mental, 10% physical. It's just like committing and visualizing, but like, yeah, I don't really, I like, I think last year I watched like a lot of videos too, like of just people like who are doing these tricks off of features that I would like be interested in trying them off of as well. And trying to like, you know, study like videos and then visualize myself doing it. Um, I don't know if I'm like, I'll probably try that again, but maybe um, also I don't want to overthink it. Like maybe I just go for it. Yeah. I feel like my brain kind of stopped me last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that's usually my approach. Like if I'm doing something scary, I just don't think about it. And then I just go and whatever happens happens. Like it's, it, this is not advice. This is this is very much well, like, like what this down, like, what I what I do because like I'm just talking about like jumping off a cliff like into a like into water basically right like if I go and I do a thirty footer I know I can do it right it's not a problem like if I go and it's like an eighty plus I'm terrified so like I just have to take one step and just do it without looking at it more than yeah. once if I look at it for more than five seconds I'm not doing shit about shit ever yeah. Same thing with skiing a line that's scary. <laughs> like if I ski something scary, I like have to make the first turn within the first couple minutes. Otherwise I'm not going. I think that's great advice because it's like, you're capable of doing it. If your skill set is like, if you're capable of it, the scary part and the dangerous part is when you don't fully commit. And when you're like totally. halfway going into it, you're like, mm, I don't know. Like I totally will give it a shot. But like, if you're just like, I got this, like go. It's- yeah. Obviously. Oh, and I never think I got it. Like I literally never think I got it. I literally am always like, oh, I'm going to die. It's fine. It's fine. If I don't die, that's the win, right? Like that's the whole, that's the whole trajectory. Yeah. It's, uh, I need to apply it more to my skiing, I think, but like it's, uh, it happens for sure when it's like, it's something scary. I'm like, it's not a thing. I'm looking at it on my way up and I'm just like, "Mm -mm." we're not doing it. And that's usually what fucks me in the backcountry. I think more than anything is that you're looking at it the whole time on your way up often. Right. Right. Like that's the thing that I'm like, that's what drives me insane. Yeah. It's that anticipation. Like my palms get sweaty. Yeah. Knees weak. Arms are heavy. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I I have no, 
no words of encouragement. I hope you do it. Have you thought about like meditation? I think or... that was good advice. I liked that. I, well, I agree. Like, I think it's it's oversimplified because you still have to just do it, which still makes it a mental thing. Um, yeah, it's challenging. That's like why we do it. It's like it's, and then when you, when I, if like I do accomplish something, it's like that feeling is going to be so like real and like exciting and a lot of like anticipation leading up to it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. The goal. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit. You just, is this public yet? Have you signed, have you talked about signing with line? Yes. Okay, cool. I well, know, it's I know, not really public, but I, it's going to be. I know we talked about it. So like, <laughs> we'll talk about it again. Um, what, why line? I know the last time we talked, it was like everything aligned, but like, what, what does that mean? Why did you choose that team? Um, I, like, I know those guys pretty well and they're, they're incredible. I like that team quite a bit and I think they're doing some really cool shit, but why you had a few suitors, like you had a few people that were like very interested in having you on their team, which is a rarity in snow sports. Um, so congratulations for that alone. Cause I think that's almost better than signing. Um, why, why line? Um, yeah, I was excited about line. I actually talked to them the winter prior. I'd already signed with J skis though. So I was committed to them, but I stayed in touch with the guys at line. They were very like supportive of me throughout the season, even though I rode with J skis. And, um, yeah, like I said, my goals really align with what they want to pursue as well. I think they're really trying to build out this like free ride, ski line and um trying to promote that side of the brand a little bit more so it's gonna be cool to be like on the up and coming part of that especially as like female in the industry and yeah. um they're doing a lot to support like women and just everything they did with ryan last year and is really like i admire her a lot so and hadley hammers yeah. a really big idol of mine too so it's like the athletes on the team taylor lundquist yeah like, i know so sick. So I think a big part of it is like the athletes they have and like being able to see with them hopefully soon. And um, then they're also like excited to travel with me and like we can go on like like little film trips and things that I probably wouldn't have the opportunity to with like with a bigger company that I'd be talking to that they take like their athletes who have put in their time and work right, with the right. brand. So it'll be cool to be like on the free ride team and like really be a big part of it. Yeah. No, that's rad. And I agree like that, that crew of ladies that are on that program is, is pretty insane. Hadley is like one of my favorite people in this industry. Like, I don't even know her super well. I've had her on the show, but like it, every time I listen to her talk or read something that she wrote, I'm like, mm -hmm. this is fucking just, it's perfect. Right. Like it's just, it's very yeah. thoughtful. The way that she presents herself and the way that she presents her ski career is just so different than what everybody else does. And same with Taylor, honestly, it's like, she has her her vein right and in yeah. that she's she's the best like she is the shit there's nobody that like intimidates me in like that i talk to ever but when i talk to taylor i'm like she's too fucking cool for, she's too she's cool so for me to cool. talk she's yeah. so much cooler yeah. than me that i don't know what to do with myself sometimes so um yeah it's it, and obviously ryan is is the shit too like yeah, it's, they're all very authentically themselves yeah like i think those are three women like the they are not trying to be anyone but who they are and ski how they want to ski, which is, I don't know. I admire that. Yeah, me too. Um, what, what are you going to be on, on the optic ski wise? Um, 
I'm going to try the Sir Francis Bacon's and the outlines. I'm excited about those skis okay. and I don't really have like a racing background. So I want to try the optics, but I have a feeling they'll be pretty stiff and like, um, hard for me to like control. Um, but I've heard such good things about them. Um, Trey Lynn Steele is actually also on the team and she's really, really aggressive. Yeah. Like, free ride skier like she does like the qualifier and stuff and she was um i was at one event with her and she was talking really highly about the blade optic and i was like i do not ski that way but he's gonna <laughs> ski <laughs> yeah she rips she actually <laughs> wrote uh, she actually wrote something for the gear guide on that ski and oh, yeah. it's uh yeah. it's rad like she's uh, she rips i i actually like she's knowledgeable about she, that stuff she knows like, it was pretty, it was yes. really well written. And I was like, I was glad somebody talked about that ski because it was really good. And it's a good direction for yeah. me. It's probably my least favorite graphic in the entire line lineup. But uh, luckily, I'm yeah. not necessarily the clientele for it. And a lot of people have told me that I'm wrong. So <laughs> I think that that's, uh, I think it'll do really well for them. So, um, yeah. But... So, Sir Francis Bacon and Outline, you said that's the plan? Yeah, I want to try those too. And then um I'll oh and then the visions are the same right. um like as the Pandora, which is like the female ski, but the um Pandora is like a little short for me. I'm pretty tall. So I'm gonna go with the visions. How tall are you? Five eight. Okay. Yeah. What size ski do you ski on? I like like one eighty three. Oh shit. Okay. hmm Big skis. So the visions I think are like one eighty five is gonna be Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a big ski. But the Pandora's only go up to 178, and I was skiing on like 178s for a while, and then when I switched to 183, I was like, "Wow, this is so much better for me." So, what have you ever gone into a shop and asked like or like talked about skis or like got set up on something, and they're like setting you up on like a 165 or whatever? No, I don't. Uh, or do you just not? You just getting skis, so it doesn't matter. I just like tell them. I don't, like, I, I don't want really this. remember. Like I, I didn't really buy skis. Like I would have my friends hand me downs. Yeah. But I, I can see that happening. Like I think with boots fittings and stuff, like them being like certain flex profiles and things like thinking I would need like a 90 or hundred flex. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, probably want to go a little bit stiffer. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't really let it get to me too much. I really don't know if it's, um, I don't think it's malicious really. It's maybe just like, I don't think it is either, by the way. Like yeah. I, 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 sometimes yeah. I'm like, I'm a little salty about it and I get a little annoyed about it, but like seven times out of 10, somebody needs a regular size, like their height or their like nose height, ski. Yeah. you know, like that's the majority of skiers. Yes. So it's hard to fault a shop for being like, oh, you need this smaller size. Like it, I, the, the need word is a little rough sometimes because mm-hmm. it's like no one knows what anybody needs until you like see them ski and know what they're capable of. And, ski with them. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't know, yeah, you can't tell by looking at anyone. That's for sure. Definitely. Maybe them to just not judge a book by its cover and get yeah. to know a person before they. It's always, I usually frame it to people like what size do you ski on now? Right. Like that's the. That's the conversation, right? Yeah. If somebody skis, if they're 5'8 skiing on a mm-hmm. 155, 
if I stick them in a 185, mm-hmm. they're going to straight line everything and like it, it's just not going to work, right? Like it's too much of a change too fast. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I always think that it's tough because like that question comes up a lot in different areas and different skis, obviously. You're skiing very different profiles of ski and very different lengths of ski and very different widths of ski that you just, you never really know. So that's always the conversation that like when I talk to other shop people and they ask me about this topic, that's always like mm-hmm. what my response is. It's like, just try to figure out where they're at now. And for guys too, right? Because it's like sometimes yeah, it's, it's all over the place. Like ski sizing is very subjective. And I think that that part has changed a lot the last like five to eight years or something like that, where your ski size does not have to be like middle of your face or your height or whatever. Yeah. So, um, what you and Aaron's bong have a video or an edit coming out very soon. Um, if it's not out already, is it out already? I don't think it is. Right. No. Um, we just, yeah, it'll come out November 2nd. Okay. It's called Quintrell. Okay. I wasn't sure if there was an actual date for it yet, but I saw her post on it and I saw you post on it the other day. So I figured it was, uh, it was incoming, but what, what is it? Why, why did you and Aaron decide to work together? Like, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, me and Aaron met um, a couple seasons ago at the end of the season, um, and we were doing this uh, this like fun pit viper shoot at Snowbird. And um, her and I like really there was a lot of skiers there, and her and I gravitated towards each other. We were, like had similar personalities and ways to approach like skiing, even if it was just like for a couple days. We were both like having a lot of fun together and she um, has a racing background and she's an extremely aggressive, fast free ride skier now. And I kind of have like this gymnastics background a little bit and I can, I like freestyle things and going in the air and flipping and things. So she kind of wanted to learn some stuff like that. And I have like this really big urge and goal to learn how to carve and like be aggressive downhill. Um, so we both were like, let's just create a little film and like learn from each other and also try our hand at creating something. Neither of us had ever filmed anything before or, um, worked with a film company or anything like that, but we both are trying to like in the same like level of skiing and like also in the same place, like trying to get into the industry um, at a more like professional level. So we just had a lot of fun with it. We took a few trips and she came out to Salt Lake a bunch from Pocatello, Idaho, where she lives. And um, yeah, we just threw something together and I like how it came out. She, she edited all of it. No shit. Yeah. She did an awesome job and it was super fun. We loved it. Is this your first like video project? Uh, How many video projects have you done? It is. Okay. Well, I work, I did a a fun like J skis thing with the girls on J skis, not this winter, but the previous winter, but it wasn't really my project. I was just skiing with um, like the girls on the team, like Audrey and Alyssa and Evelyn. And that was fun. But this was like something to do for the whole season that we were like, we have to get a bunch of shots, stack shots and edit, produce and try whatever <laughs> making a film, ski film is, which is really hard. And I really admire everyone who does it. It's like it's not easy whatsoever. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, did you realize ahead of time, like how many clips you needed to make like a five minute pit? 
yeah, we were like really quickly realized like we're out skiing, but we're not even skiing. We're just filming. And so it's like the snow is amazing, but we're like setting up shots and like waiting around. And then we get home and realize we have like two usable shots from the whole day. And it's like, this is going to be a long season. <laughs> but it was fun. And like, yeah, we had a lot of help. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. What? Do you have a favorite moment of filming? Do you have a favorite, like, is there something that happened in it that you were like, okay, this is, this is sick. This is definitely making the cut. This is the thing that I like, I'm really proud of. Yeah. I feel like every day we skied together, it was like, we'd, or like she would leave, like we'd like, we'd be together for like a few days and then she'd leave and we just text each other and be like, I'm so proud of us for doing this. Like, that was so fun. But like, also like, I'm, like we were just like so genuinely supportive of each other's like endeavors throughout the season. Like, and that was like really fun to build a friendship based on something like this. And I guess a specific time would be like the, we did like a jump build and um, it was just like her and I, and like um, our filmers and stuff. So like Jay Burroughs was there and John Howland and things, but like we were building the jump and like, the whole goal was for Aaron to do a backflip and um, the first one, she kind of crashes. And then the second one, she landed and she was so scared to try it again, but she like really pushed through that barrier. And um, it was cool to see, like it was everything like the goal of the project was like me learning from her, her learning from me was like accomplished in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we talked about this last time, but I don't think we've really talked about it today. Like what, she has this super fine tuned ski style and like mm-hmm. that's uh like you watch her ski and it's very clear that she's been skiing for a very long time she skis ridiculously fast and with like this very very pretty form like <clears throat> it yeah. just looks it looks very good and obviously you're very comfortable in the air how how did you guys help each other in terms of figuring out what each well one obviously you knew each other was good at you know certain aspects that you guys are good at but what how did you actually build a relationship of like helping each other out um it's kind of like a little bit of like coaching in a way like it, we really would just talk about skiing a lot and like a lot of it was fear based so like talking through that process of like overcoming fear like we kind of touched on at the beginning of this is like all right like one two three go or like do you need kind of like adjusting to each other's um like way of skiing like we there was one day or a few days at alta and we were like just kind of doing like follow cams and some gopro shots and so she would follow me off of some cliffs and um and like i would follow her down like steeper terrain and try and like mimic her so a lot of like monkey see monkey do situations but then also like talking to each Mm -hmm. other like skinning up or like on the Mm -hmm. lift about like things were like I I'm like I have like a I like to be coached and everything so I was like okay how do you carve like it looks so easy but when I do it I look ridiculous and I know I do I've seen videos of it and like her just like telling me like oh your outside Mm -hmm. edge you need to like engage your outside edge you need like your hips need to release when you're like shifting into the other side of the turn and like, and then engage that other outside edge. It's like that, like specific 
bullet point helps me so much with like my skiing in general. And then, um, like head and body position, like where my poles go. Like I had no idea. I was like, I like this most of the time. Like my poles are like out sideways and like, she like, you know, come and like help me like with my form. And then, um, I think with her, she like has this like free ride skill set that she's just a little bit timid to, to like go for it. Like she was hitting every cliff I hit. She was doing backlifts. She was doing threes and she just needed to like go for it. And she, and so like following somebody into it, um, into like a cliff or something that we have a lot of those shots where she's like following me off stuff. And that was really helpful to her, I think. Yeah. What, what you touched on a little bit there, just figuring out the form aspect of things is one of the hardest things to learn later on for sure. Like mm-hmm. that's a thing where it's less mental and it's more like physical and getting the body motions yeah, right and the technical aspects like, of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, how do you get over that hurdle of like fine tuning your skiing and a technical ability? And also you were like, you said you looked ridiculous. I don't think I've seen you turn. I don't think it looks ridiculous. It's just, it's not a ski race style, right? Like it's yeah. not that like fine tuned, yeah. like technical bit, but like how, how do you work on that aspect of it? Right. Like obviously the coaching's really nice, but has there been anything that you've done on your own that you've been like, like this, this clicked, this was it. Like I got it. Honestly, I still don't feel like I got it. <laughs> I, I try, I think I'm like trying almost like too hard to be like a different type of skier than I am. Like, I think I would have, if I really wanted to like make, I would have to like go to like a groomer and just spend a day on groomers, like pretending to go through gates or something and really, and do drills and certain, I was my, all my videos on Instagram, like my for you page last season were like drills for ski racers like for kids. Right. Like I was trying to like learn how, and I, it's hard to just all of a sudden bring that to like bigger mountain terrain and steeper things without doing the basics, like being on groomers and like actually learning how to engage your outside edge and um whatever else you do. <laughs> like, I don't even know, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I think that it also, again was another reason like last season was a little weird for me without like breaking through some of these like barriers of fear was because I was like trying to be like this like I wanted to be fast and aggressive and like have really good form and look really good on video and like photo and stuff but maybe that's just not my style and I I can get down a mountain like I don't have to look like a ski racer doing it maybe but I think it's also like being able to just combine that a little bit. Yeah. Like being better technically, um, but also embracing, I don't know, whatever style I do have. Yeah. No, I think that's beautiful. Like I actually think that I have a similar thing where I'm like, okay, I'm always thinking about my form, right? Like it doesn't come natural. I'm always thinking about the where I put my hands and where my body, mm-hmm. like I don't just do it, right? So it takes yeah. a lot for me to be in that mind but mind set and every time I get scared of something I go back to like how I used to ski right or like how I want to ski my mind wants to ski naturally or like my regular motion so like it's definitely not 
I, I very much understand what you're saying, especially when you're like you're talking about progressing and you're so worried about the way that you look on film or this or that. Or the other thing. Like to me, that shit doesn't matter. Like genuinely, like I, yeah. and this is advice like I have to give myself all the time. It's like it, in other areas, like think of like basketball, right? Like everybody has a different jump shot, right? Like everybody looks a little different when they shoot the ball. It is what it is. Like, unless that shit looks insane, nobody says, like, unless you're, like, throwing it backwards to get the ball in the fucking hoop, nobody cares, right? I always wonder why yeah, skiing is get a basket. Like, yeah, if you're basket. scoring, like, talk all the shit you want. I'm fucking doing it. You know what I mean? Like, that's... <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, so, like, like why... Mentality. Yeah, why does it matter so much in skiing? And I think it's the people that often have this, like, perfect technical form. They hold on to it. Like, it's the most important thing mm -hmm. in the entire world. So, and then like, as somebody who's like, it doesn't come natural to, or didn't have that like ski race background, I always felt like I needed to do that thing. Right. Because I didn't, but I don't think it matters. I really, as I get older, I'm like, I don't fucking care anymore. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I re I genuinely don't give a shit. Yeah. I want to lean into that this year. I definitely cared a lot last year what people were like thinking of my skiing. I, I like, rem yeah, I did like one, um, FWQ, like the free ride qualifier at snowbird yeah. and I was going to do more afterwards. And I remember like being at the top and just feeling so much panic and like pressure. And I think there's like a really good balance and like, there could be a really healthy way to progress in skiing with like putting pressure on yourself and like being in these uncomfortable positions and just in life in general, like For you sure. have to be uncomfortable and you push through that and you get better. But um, in this situation, I was like, why am I so afraid of skiing Silver Fox, which is where the venue was this line I ski all the time and enjoy skiing. And I have like this panic and this fear and it's because like everybody's like watching me and I hate that. And I think I like cared too much about what people were thinking. And I think a lot of it was like I was thinking about the way they think that I ski. And I don't know like why my... I don't know, maybe because I'm trying really hard to be in this industry that I do care what, what people are thinking and how they're perceiving my skiing. But I remember I was like, this is not for me. And, um, yeah, just maybe like leaning into that more next year's could be another goal. Just, I just can't care. Just stand on top of that shit and just double middle finger everybody and just be like, I'm skiing for line. Fuck all of you. Like, that's really what you should do. <laughs> Another great piece of advice. Thank you. I, I know. I'm like giving unsolicited advice kind of here and I don't want to. I love to, it. But it's no, like, it's good. It's, good. <laughs> it's like, it, it does. Because like, it, I, I definitely know the feeling of like, you're skiing with people and you're like, fuck, man. Like, I, I don't feel myself. I'm not comfortable. Or that feeling of, like, I ski better when people are not here. I know I do, right? And you, like, want to tell people, like, I ski good sometimes. Like, yeah. I ski no, but good. I'm good. I swear. <laughs> just, like, don't watch. But, like, I, I can ski this. And I'm, <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah. I have that so bad. <laughs> it's so dumb. It doesn't matter. Like, this is me telling both of us. It does not. It, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Even at, like, a very amateur we'll level like, for me. We'll have, each other and remind yeah. each other, like, every month. Like, hey. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Make no it form cares. whatever you want. Like it's, it's yeah. great. I got to tell you, Ethan sitting in the booth right now. Ethan's got like some very loose form for sure, but he almost beat Drew <laughs> Peterson. He almost beat Drew Peterson in like a little pump track race last year. And I'll tell you what, 
Drew was scared for his and life. He might matters. not he might not know it, but Drew was scared for his life. He was Ethan was going to take the title from him for sure. So, it's it's what the deal is. That's all that matters. Um where where can people find the project when it comes out? Where can people find you on social media? Where can people find you on the internet in general? Um this is kind of your time to plug. Yeah, we're going to drop Quintrell November 2nd just on our social channels. So Aaron Spong and Anna Acemont, um, A-N-A, that's how you spell my first name. And I feel like E-Y-S-S-I-M-O-N-T. E-Y-S-S-I-O-I-M-O-N-T? E-Y-S-S-I-M-O-N-T. It's hard. I feel like you just look up Anna and then E-Y-S-S-I and no one else has that last name. So it might come up. It it will definitely come up. I how often do people mispronounce your last name? Every time. I don't even care though. Like every <laughs> single time. They're like, let me try it. Let me give it a shot. I'm like, go for it. You're like, I don't fucking care. Get it or don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's amazing. Um, awesome. Thank you for the time. I appreciate you doing this. All right. We're interrupting. Well, I guess we're not really interrupting. I'm jumping in the middle of these two awesome episodes uh to tell you about our friends at fisher skis fisher is the only stuff that i ski on on a regular basis obviously we test a bunch of product we get to ski all kinds of product here we are very fortunate to do so my favorite stuff since the beginning and the company that has supported us since the beginning since five years ago is fisher skis and i just wanted to take a second to one thank them for their support um it's been great and it will be great for the future I'm a huge fan for not just because they pay us, but because the product is so good. My favorite ski to ski on this year uh, so far has been the Ranger 108. Uh, so far being like that I've skied on so far. I have not skied yet this season, so don't jump down my throat on that one. Uh, is the Ranger 108. I'm a huge fan. It is a perfectly balanced ski. It is lightweight enough that you can throw a 50-50 binding on it. I would highly recommend running something like a cast setup on this. Uh, so check that out as a combination for you this upcoming season. Uh, I'm I'm a fan. <clears throat> the ski ski's phenomenal. It's fun. It's lively. It doesn't force you to feel like you're... It, it's very confidence-inspiring. So check out the all-new Ranger 108. We'll be giving away a pair of... Uh, Ranger 96s and then the, a pair of Ranger 102s and then a pair of Ranger 108s over the upcoming months. Uh, end of October is when we'll give away a pair of 96s. So keep an eye on the Instagram, on the Twitter, on the YouTube. We will be giving out a pair of skis every month for the next three months. So thank you, Ethan. Um, go to fisherskis.com, fishersports.com, and check out the all new Ranger lineup as well as the boot products that they have. And honestly, their kids stuff is incredible this year, but you've heard me talk about that enough. So without further ado, here is Sierra Schlag. Sweet. Um, I'm Sierra Schlag. A lot of people call me Schlag. I'm a skier that lives in Carbondale, Colorado. Uh, skiing doesn't really pay my bills, so I work for Evo managing their social media during the week. No shit. You were, so yeah. you're running all Evo social right now? Yeah. Well, not the stores, but yeah, the yeah, whole... Yeah. Right. The main yeah. Evo. The actual... Yeah. What's that like? I, I didn't expect to be talking about this right away, but what it, like? what's <laughs> that like? 
managing social media, it's, you know, it's a lot. You have a lot of roles. Um, what do you actually do? Yeah. I guess that's a question. What do I do every day? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Like what? Cause I think that's a job that's becoming so much more prevalent right now. And I don't think anybody knows what it yeah. actually entails. Um, yeah, you know, I'm a content creator, content editor, copywriter, <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of everything. Yeah. I like oversee the Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and like, I do everything from creating the posts to like DMing people to going over strategy and analytics and reporting. It's a lot that goes on. <laughs> yeah. How, how shitty has it been dealing with Instagram lately? Terrible. I hate Instagram. <laughs> it's so broken. I don't understand what's going on. It is like so difficult to do anything right now. And it's all so hit or miss. Yeah. They just like want to be TikTok and ugh, it's so annoying. It's very frustrating. I have to deal with it every day. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. I'm like every week. I'm like, if we get one win a week, I'm like claiming it as like in our like little group chat here as like the biggest win of my entire week. Like I get one okay performing post. Whereas like this time last year, I'd be like, ah, eh, we need one every day. Now I get one a week and I'm yeah. just like, this is a fucking, this is a huge win. Yeah. You got to count your blessings on Instagram now. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Everything sucks. It is. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> how's TikTok? Like what is the, what's the TikTok situation? I'm trying to figure that one out and I'm having a hard time. We just got onto TikTok like two weeks ago. So I also am trying to figure it out. I like have my own personal TikTok for like skiing stuff. Which is easy, but also like same thing. It's like I have no idea what's gonna go viral or not. And like right. my personal Instagram, I just had a post go viral of me just like throwing my probe. <laughs> like, this isn't like that crazy. Like it's not that funny. But people love it. I feel like the generic skiing stuff people can resonate with, so they like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like appealing to the masses. Yeah. Which That's... is kind of a bummer kind of a bummer it also like i feel like in skiing like as a as an industry that's like such a like taboo thing is a pl like trying to hit everybody and i don't know the core yeah. people don't think it's like core enough and the people that can relate to it on a very baseline level either don't think it's cool enough like they think like oh i can do that or it's just like i, I don't know it, it does engage everybody but it's not for like a positive reason i guess yeah and people on tiktok can be like so harsh like oh yeah <laughs> they're brutal for no reason and it's like somebody would like uh no name reason. like user xyz 47 29 like and you're like who the fuck yeah, where the exactly. fuck did you come from like, like who are you yeah what is this <laughs> at least put your name out there yeah exactly <laughs> um anyway i was not expecting this to be the start of this conversation um what how what do you do besides like your actual job at Evo? Like, where are you at in terms of being a skier? What, what is your career trajectory looked like up to this point? Oh, wow. Big um, general wide sweeping question. <laughs> My career trajectory. Okay. So I guess I like have been skiing since I was two and used to compete in moguls and half pipe and then kind of, fell out of that because the competition scene wasn't that fun and mobile skiing can be pretty monotonous yeah. and 
started just free skiing at the end of my high school career and then joined the free ride team in college and really enjoyed that and started skiing big mountain and finally like enjoyed skiing again. Um, and then I graduated college. I studied environmental science and international studies in college, which I'm not using at all today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I got a job working for this adventure travel agency that organized custom ski trips to Japan and my mom's from Japan. So I've been going there since I was born. Um, and then it was a startup. So I was doing everything from like social media to booking people's trips to like email marketing and like site construction. And so I applied for my job at Evo during the pandemic because obviously travel was not taking off. Um, and I think I had, I was most well-versed in social media and that's how I got my job at Evo like a year and a half ago. Hmm. And then skiing, I first got sponsored by Atomic like four years ago. And I think that was intertwined with my job going to Japan yeah. and skiing. And then, and yeah, have like slowly gained more sponsors and it feels like a part-time job for me, but my like full-time job at Evo overlap overlaps a lot with my like interest in skiing and ski career, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely, they're without a doubt related, same, same industries, yeah. same people <laughs> meeting more connections. Yeah. Like it's, it's actually, yeah. when you think about it, it's actually a really cool job to have if you're like, uh, if you want to make skiing your full-time gig, which I don't even know, is that a thing that you actually want? Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. Obviously I'd love to ski for my full-time job, but I don't want to, don't want to get siloed and find myself like not being successful in skiing and then not having any professional development there yeah. to like fall back on. So yeah. it's like parallel growth, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard thing though. Cause then like, you're not, I'm, I don't know, you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket, which is a good thing, but it's also like, you're not fully committed yeah. to either thing either. Yeah. So I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I agree. I struggle with that a lot. Cause I'm like, do I just quit my job and ski all the time? But then I'm like, it is nice having a salary. Yeah. 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 I would imagine having a salary is, is actually a very, uh, very comforting thing. <laughs> um, so talk to me a little bit. You have a project coming out, uh, called bloom, which is part of the reason that I wanted Evian was just to chat, um, about something about that. So tell people what bloom is, what the idea behind it was, why it was so important to you. Um, I've watched it for the third time now, um, just a little while ago. So, why don't you tell people a little bit about it in your own words? Yeah. So Bloom kind of is my life story in the movie. Um, my dad passed away in 9-11 and it is my like experience with grief and how my mental health struggled because of that trauma and that grief. And my dad taught us all how to ski. He kind of ingrained the outdoors in us and skiing has always remained a constant in my life. And as I was like understanding my dad's death and kind of being introduced to my mental health struggle, skiing was what kind of let me breathe and let me feel okay. Even though I was like struggling with depression at the time and yeah, skiing has kind of just acted as my lifeline because of that. And so it's a story that encapsulates all of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot to break down. It's a very, it's, much more about like the emotional journey, I think, than it is the actual yeah. skiing, which I think 
is really important and you're starting to see a lot more of those projects start to come out and that's yeah. uh it's a super important thing so let me let me ask you then when when did the depression aspect of things for you become so prevalent um and when did that become something that you realized was a was a major problem um i think my junior year of high school i was just being an angsty teenager as everyone kind of experiences but um growing up in like a japanese american household we did not talk about our emotions we were Mm. not like a family that shared anything with one another so we like have this shared trauma but we like didn't really speak about it all that much and i like got into high school got access to the internet and started just like researching more about my dad's death Mm. and like it's just a lot like it's it's really heavy the videos like you watch and just like learning about everything that went on it's traumatizing and to like really like learn and research more about it was sat really heavy on me um and it also was like a time where being a teenager especially as a Japanese American like my grades needed to be what like great and I needed to perform yeah I don't know I just like needed to present as this perfect human and that really ate away at me because I was just like my have this like incredible trauma and this incredible grief and we're not talking about it at home and I like feel like I can't talk to anybody about it because I so I was born in New Jersey and then we moved to Park City Mm. and Park City is like very wealthy white space that like this these big traumas don't happen too often and so I felt like I couldn't talk to any of my friends about it because it would be too much and I just like became really really depressed with that thought like junior year and yeah, my junior, like junior spring was be, like when I became really depressed and I started going to therapy and my therapist diagnosed me with clinical depression. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, how do you feel? Well, first, how do you feel now? Like how's, how are things progressing? Where are you at in, in the current moment? Um, you know, I like often, definitely still get like waves of depression and it's yeah. still there. It's, I don't think it's going to go away. Never does, um, yeah. But you know, I've done a lot of healing and I've done a lot of like trauma work and with therapy. And I feel like I am at a much better place. And like, we talk about this in the movie of just like feeling so hopeless that I thought about dying a lot. And I have done enough work in therapy that like, I know that I will never like get into that headspace again, but I'll still like, I'll still feel depressed yeah. and but I like have better coping me- mechanisms and like I know how to deal with it now which, yeah. which feels really nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a good I like have definitely been going through some of the same things in the last couple of years where it's been like it, learning how to deal with that kind of stuff is is a thing you never talk about with especially like I'm from an immigrant household too and it's like yeah you don't have that that conversation doesn't happen very much at home like talking about your feelings or knowing if people are sad or even knowing what people are thinking about in general. It's like, like you mentioned, like talking to your friends, it's too much to talk about sometimes, like talking about your issues and your trauma and the things that happen to you personally is too much, but it's way worse when it's inside your own house and you don't know how to talk about it to the people that you spend every day with. Yeah. So it's crazy. It's crazy crazy that that's a thing. It's, uh, it's sad, but so how has your relationship at home changed, if at all, by this point? Like, do you, 
do you st- like, is your relationship better? Did it affect your relationship negatively at all? Like talk to me about that part of. Yeah, I think obviously growing up, it alleviate it alleviated a lot of stress and like not being at home definitely helped. And throughout this whole process of creating this movie, like I got to set, sit down with each of my family members for two hours and interview them and hear their experience and understand their experience way more, which I think helped. And like, I got a lot of apologies and just like learning more about people's lived experiences, I think allows, allowed us like as a family to give each other a little bit more grace. And, you know, like, I feel like the main, I guess, like my mom and I were like the ones that were butting heads a lot during that time of when I was so depressed. Mm-hmm. And I think like going, uh, we all went to therapy in that moment. Like our whole family did. We were right. like going to family therapy. And I think that really helped too. Just like setting the precedent, like we need to talk about this stuff more. And like, we're still not great at talking about our feelings, but it was better. It was way better than it was before. So just like, yeah, slowly having conversations has definitely helped. Yeah. How, what made you want to make a movie about it? Like what made you want to like, actually like, cause it takes a lot of courage to go and put your personal experience, especially something that's this personal to you and this important to you. Like I, I kind of tried to put myself in that position and I was like, there's, there's absolutely no way that I could put myself in that headspace where I'd be okay. Even 20 years post being willing to just like talk about it and be that open. Like it's a really, it's a really difficult thing. So one props to you for being able to do that and kind of coming to that point. But what, yeah, what, what was that process like and what made you want to do it in general? Yeah. Um, Picture Organic is my apparel sponsor and they just kind of do like a call for videos every fall. And I just kind of thought about it and I was like, I feel like I'm at a place in my life where I'm like ready to share my story and like selfishly, like I wanted to do it so I could heal more and, also like 9-11 is something that the entire country experienced. If you're right. like a millennial or old, older, like everyone can relate to that day because they experienced it and they watched it on television. And I was like, that's like a story. It's a very unique story that I'm ready to share, but I also like made it because I wanted people to be able to relate to it. Like, obviously my story of grief is unique, but like the outdoor industry experiences grief more often than any other industry, probably like we're inherently doing these dangerous things. And, but also like the mental health discussion, it's like, that doesn't have, it's happening more, but it doesn't happen enough. And I just wanted to like create a movie where people could relate to it and they could feel less alone, but also like understand this lived experience that I've had that is unique to the U S essentially. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, it's something that everybody in the U.S., it, it affected everybody in one way or another. It's it's funny, I talked to Phil Henderson last week, I think, or two weeks ago, and we were kind of talking about, we. I don't know why it came up, but he was talking about his experience with it, and I was kind of talking about like every, pretty much every Arab kid in America, like their life changed that day too, because it's like now there's a new reason to be like racist towards every Arab kid, right? Like it's, I remember specifically watching it happen and like thinking like, fuck, this is obviously not fuck. Cause I was like five, but like, or whatever, yeah. but I look back on it now and like, that's a super definitive moment for me. And it's again, it's 20 years ago. So uh, I, again, I can't imagine 
where you were at at that point too and where you're at now with it. But I, th- I think being willing to share and have these conversations is, is so important, especially with something like that. That's, that's so, it, it's very much a national event, right? Like it affected everybody. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like, to your point, like the xenophobia that came out of that, I, yeah. like my dad's side of the family is all white and like, they love Trump <laughs> and it's crazy. Like having a mom that's Japanese and just being raised like outside of that headspace of like my dad's side of the family and like the way they internalize and interpret nine 11 versus how we've internalized nine 11. And it's like, just, yeah, it's like totally xenophobic and racist and all these things when it just, I'm like, this is like your personal experience. Why are you like, portraying it onto other people and it's it's crazy to see both sides of the story but it is it's such like it's such a letdown of like the country that all of this racism exploded because of this and it makes me really bummed (laughs) it's it's a bummer for sure I think that's that's putting it very lightly it's uh yeah it's horrible and I think people know that and that's not news to anybody but yeah why why now, I guess, is my question. Why was this the time? I know, you know, Picture asked or, you know, they were looking for a film or whatever, but like this is a this is a heavy one to drop on people, like just to just to be out there, I guess. So why now? And also what how did you decide to do the framing of it, I guess? Because I think the way that you framed the whole story and the way that the whole story is told in the video or in the film is it's not too dark. Like it, it, there's like a line where it's too dark where everybody just gets depressed and sad with you as opposed to like feeling where you're at. And I think it was done really well to the point where people are just going to be able to relate to it um, in some way, shape yeah. or form. So uh, I guess it's a, it's a weird two-parted question, but how, how did you manage all of that? Um, I think the 20th anniversary of nine 11 really spurred the timing of it. Um, and I was at a point in my like healing journey where I felt like I could share it. And it was a story that I wanted people to know about. And yeah, I like felt like I had support from sponsors where I could make this story like a reality. And so I think that was the why of like, we are 20 years out of it and people forget. And I think like the amount of 9-11 jokes I see on the internet or people just making comments or random things like I want people to remember that like this day affected people personally and it wasn't just like this far away thing and what was your second question (laughs) (laughs) um that's on the timing (laughs) and I guess like how did you manage to like when you were figuring out how it was going to be laid out right how did you manage to make it in a way that it wasn't too too dark Right. Because I think that comes across very clearly. You're like, you're talking about your journey and you're talking about your experience and you're also very composed during it. And I think that probably helps, but how, what was the idea when it came to like putting out your story? Right. Because I think sometimes people go into these traumatic experiences and talking about them and it's so heavy, right. To the point where it's hard for the listening audience, like the general listening audience or viewing audience to, to get behind. Right. Um, but then you have these stories like this one or like Drew's film that came out last year, you're, you're talking about this thing that like has this, obviously has this extreme low moment, but it also kind of has this like progressively more positive outlook on things as it goes forward. 
Yeah. And I think that's like maybe how I present in my real life of like people pleasing my experience. So people like don't feel it too much. Um, But I mean, I think we wanted, that was the whole goal was like end on a happy note being like, yeah, people will have these low breaking moments, but like you're still going to go up. And I owe that. I owe. I owe the story to like my um, director and editor Kyle because he, like, we had the initial idea of like we want to be super vague at the beginning of it and like give some backstory and then it'll like go down and be really sad for a moment. But like, yeah, I think it's just like the progression of my life. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I'm yeah. answering this question really well, but <laughs> no, that's okay. It makes sense. It like that's kind of what my I'm always interested in the way people set up the stories that they tell. Right. Like that's always a, cause it's a really hard thing to do. Like storytelling in general is, is extremely hard and it's a skill that is really hard to learn too. And I think that that the way that it was told came across in a way that it was, it was digestible for people and it will be digestible for people when they actually watch the thing. Like I'm talking like everybody's seen it so far, but um, (laughs) what, what has that been like? What has the whole journey been like for you? Because sometimes talking about it and going through it and like actually having to open up and have those conversations is really therapeutic for you as well, right? Like you're talking about this super traumatic thing, but at the same time, it's actually giving you some help, right? Like, I mean, that's got to be, that had to be a positive thing for you as well. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was hard. And I think when I initially pitched this movie, I wasn't fully aware of like how deep I wanted to go um and I so the director Kyle was like one of my best friends so I trusted like him leading these interviews and having these serious conversations because I've like talked to him about these things in my life before Mm -hmm. which I think was really special because if I did that with a stranger I don't think I would have been as open and honest um but yeah I all of these conversations and interviews that we did had been like super healing because you get down these like rabbit holes of and tangents of like things you haven't really ever verbalized before or talked Mm. about with other people and then you're like have these big like ideas I guess and like I feel like the last statements about like finding my power through what my dad taught me like I had never verbalized that in to words and after that, I was like, oh my gosh, this was actually like full circle moment. And this is why skiing means so much to me. I felt like mm. skiing hadn't meant so much to me. Obviously, it's like I grew up with it and my dad showed me how to do it. But like, it gives me the most confidence in the world and being able to like have that full circle moment on camera, I guess, yeah. it was really helpful and really healing for me. And yeah, it, this sounds like cliche, but talking about all the dark parts of you is really hard, but it's really, really freeing once you do it. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's uh, uh, it's something I think people are starting to do a little more, right? You're seeing b- more people talk about it. It's starting to open up more in the outdoor space, but I think it's also allowing people to realize like a lot of people are fucked up. That's a thing yeah, that's yeah. just like, not... everybody has their shit. Yeah, right. Like, and if you don't, then honestly, you probably aren't that like. It's really hard to relate to people that don't have anything fucked up in their life, right? You look at those people and you're like, yeah, they have a yeah. life, but like. Honestly, those people usually suck because there's nothing that like made them have to like turn around, look at themselves and actually like get through something difficult. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, 
yeah, it's a very bizarre thing that something that like that can actually make you a better person for it. <laughs> it's a little wacky. It's it's all but yeah. Of... I mean, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I think also like just having the conversations. Like I was in an interview situation, and that like prompted me to have all these conversations. But like it's there's no doubt that like it's hard to bring this up to somebody of being like hey like obviously a conversation naturally needs to lead into it but it's like that I think is like the biggest barrier of talking about your shit is because you're like how do I bring this up to someone like because sometimes especially like with my dad it's like whenever I'm talking about my dad or like I feel like I need to tell somebody that my dad died in 9-11 it's like whoa I feel like I have to like drop all of this information on you and I feel bad doing that because it's so heavy in reality it's like I shouldn't feel bad about this because this is like my reality and this is my lived experience that like you can either take it in a good way or like not so what something is, I'm learning <laughs> what is the what are people's reactions like I mean what is like do, do people get uncomfortable with it do they know how to handle that conversation when it comes up and how do you feel about it too? Yeah, I think we sometimes like have to pick my poison with the people I'm talking to being like, am I just going to tell you my dad passed away when I was little or am I going to tell you like the whole thing? Yeah. And I've seen like such an array of reactions where I'm like, I get better every time of like kind of reading people <laughs> and you're going to react to it. It's like, well, you don't deserve the whole full story because you're going to like go rogue with this information and people totally have. And that's what's also tough too. It's like you tell people and they're like, look at you like a psychology experiment being like, how could oh. you be happy if you have like all this fucked up shit going on? Or they like try and ask you like really personal details about it. And it's like, dude, read the room. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't ask me. About that. But most people are like so nice to me, but there are just like some outliers that you're like, what, who taught you to react like this? Yeah. Yeah. Reading. The and those are the not... ones that like you remember. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like reading the room is not a skill that's taught in elementary school. Like people do not. There's a lot of that, I no. think, that goes around. And that's kind of why I was curious is because like it is it's heavy. Right. Like and but it's also like yeah. you have to be comfortable enough to talk about it at this point, like as an adult now, like it's your reality. Yeah. Right. It's your life. So there's like no other there's no other way to put it. It's like. <laughs> It's not your responsibility to deal with their feelings and your own. Exactly. That's something I'm learning. Yeah. It's a work in progress. I'm, I'm learning it too. I, this is a thing that I've also learned in therapy is that like, I don't have to tailor my reactions to everybody else's reactions or my, my emotions don't have to depend on other people's emotions. It's a very, it's very weird for somebody to just tell you that. And you're like, Oh, like I didn't, I didn't even think about that as a, as an option. It just kind of was what yeah, I was doing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what so you talk in the film about your house skiing is almost like a lifeline to you like it's it's important it's a connecting thing and it makes you feel strong and powerful like what how do people use that in a positive way right because I think there's both sides of that where you can take something really positive out of it and out positive out of it and kind of channel all of what you have going inside towards your skiing and kind of give yourself like a good outlet but there's also like people just go skiing and they don't address their issues like it seems to be like 
a running joke at this point where like, especially with men where they're like, I'm just going to go ski tour for five days straight and I'm not going to eat anything. And I'm just going to beat myself into the ground. And I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm depressed. Like that's a, that's a thing. So how, how do you use it as a positive outlet? Uh, you do that in tandem with therapy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, you can go skiing and have fun and like release things that need to be released, but like, you should talk to your therapist. Like, and that's what I do. It's like, yeah, skiing is a great outlet and it's a great way to like escape your mind for a little bit, but those things are still going to be popping up in your mind. And if you don't talk to somebody about them, then it's only going to get worse and you're going to feel like you have to escape your mind more. And so just go to therapy. It's great. Yeah. (laughs) Therapy's great. It's everybody should go to therapy. It's a, it's a thing I never thought that I would go to, but it's uh, I can't tell you how much of a difference it's made in my life. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's, I started going to therapy when I was 16 and took a break when I went to college and then kind of started up this past couple of years. And this past like two years of therapy has just been like so, so great for me because I've been like doing deep trauma work where I was like, I didn't realize that this was a problem for me. And then I was like, okay, this has made like changed my life, honestly, and changed how I like approach life, which is incredible. What was the switch? Like what, what made you actually decide that it was okay to like fully open up? Um, I think, so my first therapy therapist that I like ever talked to just like put a lot of like negative connotations of my trauma onto like how my life was going to be. And I think this, my new therapist has like made me okay with everything that I've like been through. And she's like, these are valid reasons. And she's just like validating me of like why I've reacted to things or like why I feel certain ways. And I've, yeah, I think being able to like feel okay and not judged by like what you've experienced and what you've felt. But you like, I also have like an incredible community around me too. Like I can talk to them about my dad and I can share why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. And that community is like really, really important on top of like doing a lot of work in therapy. And that makes me feel like I can like talk more openly about my dad and my depression and all that jazz yeah all that jazz um what (laughs) it's it's almost like uh yeah all that jazz what (laughs) how do you feel about it coming out like it's not fully public yet right like it's not out into the world so what are you Uh, anxious about it are you nervous like what's what's the story here yeah i'm i'm nervous i've like shown it to my family and my friends and that has made me feel a lot less nervous I actually got to talk to Drew um this summer just asking for advice because I was like I'm scared (laughs) like this is truly like the darkest parts of me and just like sharing that with the world pretty scary um but he just he he gave me gave me great advice of just like coming up with like a plan like a self-care plan but also like he was very positive and he's like my film like so many people came out of the woodworks just to like tell me how much it helped them. And like, that's going to be gratifying. And that's going to like be the reason of why like you did this and you just like have to wait for that to happen. But he's like, you can be nervous, like schedule some therapy 
in advance. So you like have a, have a plan. <laughs> so you're going to be okay. He's like, yeah, he's like, it's going to be a lot more positive than you think. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which I was mean, really good advice. Yeah. People, people are very receptive to you actually being real. That's something that people yeah. always like almost try to flex. It's like people are like real yeah. as fuck. It's like a compliment. Like when you're real as fuck, that's like a, like an actual compliment, but people don't actually mean it a lot of times. Like they, they say they are, they do it, but they're not actually like showing it with their actions. This is very much showing it with your actions. What? Thanks. Yeah, of Thanks. course. Yeah. Any, <laughs> yeah. Positive affirmations. Here. Um, yeah. Drew's the shit. I mean, that dude has figured out a way to tell his story and open himself up and kind of use the tools that he's learned. It's, uh, I love that dude. That dude is a huge inspiration to me too. Um, he's a huge inspiration to a lot of people in the community. And I don't think, I know he realizes it, but I don't think he actually like lets it go to his head at all, which is like, that is almost more impressive yeah. to me that like he didn't make mm -hmm. the full switch from like just being who he was and being authentic to being like a celebrity almost where people like know him for this thing. And it was incredibly successful yeah. and like, everybody just told them how much they loved him over and over and over again. Like that, I think that's really rad. And I think the way that he's handled it has been so cool too. Cause he's actually like, yeah, he's actually meaning what he said. Like, he's like, reach out if you need anything, reach out if you want to talk like anybody can. And he like truly, truly means it. Yeah. Which is so cool. Yeah. Genuine dude. Yeah, for sure. So what's, what's the plan? What's the plan for launch? Like what's the, when is it coming out officially? What do you like? How do you actually feel about it hitting the floor? We like have kind of avoided this part of it, like being a little nervous. But how do you like? What are you expecting out of it? Um. So launch plan. We are nailing down dates, but we're gonna do a film tour with Picture and Evo in Denver, I believe, Salt Lake and Seattle. Sick at the end of October slash November. Um, and then in submitting it to film festivals and it'll probably be released in the spring. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't really set any expectations for myself, which was some advice that Drew gave me. Um, but like, <laughs> I hope that it's all like positive. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm nervous. I'm excited to like go and be in person for people to watch it and like, see how people react in real life mm. um and yeah but i think it's yeah it's just scary sharing yeah. your story but i think this is like the right way to do it and for it to reach people and um yeah we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> we'll see what happens i'm not trying to stress you out more with it right now like i think i'm just curious because like that especially doing it in person is such a like that takes a lot of courage to go out and like actually watch people watch you be vulnerable. Yeah. That's, yeah. How, how are you going to manage that? Like you said, it's funny. I actually was expecting you to say that that was the scariest part and you said it was exciting. So what, <laughs> how are you planning on dealing <laughs> well, with that, that was emotionally? More advice from Drew. He like, he was like, I think it's really important for you to be there in person so you can like make these connections with people. And I think that's what I'm excited about of mm, like okay. having those real conversations with people. And it's obviously still nerve wracking, but I think being able to connect with people is what I'm excited about. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
this is it's great like it's it's really good and i'm excited for people to actually like watch it and hopefully people really relate to it and i think it'll have a huge positive impact on a lot of people and that's uh i think that's the goal right it's like to share your story but it's also to have an impact on people that are going through similar traumas right um like we said everybody's kind of going through something um what what is your plan after this right like what is what does the rest of the season look like for you what is like do you want to keep doing projects like this do you want to keep doing because uh, i will say i think something that happened to drew unintentionally is like this got attached to him for the next year basically right and may who knows how long it's going to be attached to him so like do you is that an envelope you want to keep pushing is it something that you want to keep consistently talking about are you do you think when this is like how you're going to be like, I'm washing my hands of this. Like, I feel like I got what I needed out into the world and now I want to just go ski. Like what, where are you at in that side of things? Yeah. I mean, I think the nine 11 conversation is one that I am going to continue to have for like the rest of my right. life. And I think this was, and this was also like my first film project. And so being able to like, experience everything that comes with releasing a film I want I want to like revel in that a little bit um but yeah still skiing this year I hoped like I do want to make more film projects something like that lasts a little bit longer than just a post on social media Mm um and yeah I don't really don't really know my next film project but I hope that it's happier (laughs) less (laughs) less emotional it doesn't have <laughs> to be this one yeah it, it definitely doesn't what? have to be it doesn't have to be it's whatever you want it to be yeah but i'm like ex- i would like love to yeah do more filming and partner with different skiers and i'm really excited that anna has moved to carbondale so i can like work with her more and ski with her more because yeah. we're definitely missing like lady shredders in this valley yeah which would be sweet what who do you look up to as far as athletes go right now that you're like, okay, this person has had a really cool career up to this point. Like, and I really relate to them and I like what they stand for. Like, do you have that kind of person in skiing right now? Yeah. I think Michelle Parker, I got to, um, stay with her. I know it's like classic answer, but, um, through my job at Evo, I got to stay with her in Tahoe this past winter because we sponsor the safe as clinics yep. and I've looked up to her my whole life and she's like been that prominent female skier for um, since I can remember but like getting to actually like connect and sit down with her and like hear her like intentions within the industry and like she's so well versed but also like so intentional and it was it was really cool to see that side that like not everybody gets to see just like via social media and so that made me like love her even more and look up to her even more yeah yeah she's uh she's the best like i couldn't she's the best <laughs> i'm so glad i'm so glad she's working with us and having her own show like it's like i i just want to listen as a listener like i just i'm i'm excited as a listener more than anything else because every time i interview her i'm almost like starstruck that i'm talking to her because she's so fucking cool yeah and she she's like so cool. <laughs> she just gets it like that's the biggest thing i think with michelle is that she like she's a real person but she also is like very willing Mm -hmm. to acknowledge that like every like she's herself like she's very comfortable in her own skin at least it seems (laughs) and i i really admire that like she's like she's such a strong-willed human being and and i'm 
yeah, I'm just excited to to see more from her. And yeah, it's it's also crazy how long she's made her career last. Like it's been yeah. I feel like she's gonna get mad at me now, but like it's been a minute. Like it's been a while. <laughs> and somehow she's still as successful as ever. Yeah, she crushes it. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to hear her talk a bit more. I'm I'm glad to hear that she's somebody you look up to. Every, yeah, every time someone brings up an athlete lately that they look up to, I'm like, you can see it almost immediately, right? Like, you, there's a good reason, and I think we're we're so lucky in this industry right now to have so many positive role models that are happening. Like, there's yeah. so many sports that don't have that. Like, they have very few positive role models because everybody's chasing the spotlight. But it feels like in skiing, like everybody's really genuine. It's like you can reach out and touch them. They're real people to you. They're skiing the same mountains, skiing the same lines to an extent as you, as all of us are. And it makes them like these real, uh, like role models as far as sports figures are very, like, it almost seems like weird and cliche for me. Like, it, like I don't look up to like any real sports athletes. Like they're, it's a different world. It's a different yeah. stratosphere. Yeah. Versus like Sorry. ski athletes are like, they're people. They're people that you can interact with. They're like, they exist in the same space as you do. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> it's a cool, yeah, it's a cool industry to be a part of for sure. Um, Sierra, I, I'm not going to take up any more of your time here. Where where can people find you on social? Where can people find the film when it comes out? I'm probably going to try to schedule this as close to the release date as I possibly can. Um, cool. <laughs> when, Where can people find it? Where can people see it in real life? Give me... Give me the rough outline here. I'm sure we'll have actual dates that I'll put in the intro of this episode when it's ready yeah, to come out. But I'm like, I don't have that much information, so I'm sorry <laughs> that this will be a little bit vague. Um, you can find me on Instagram at underscore schlag underscore, or you can follow Evo's Instagram if you feel inclined. <laughs> um, and then this the film will be released probably on my YouTube channel, which doesn't have a lot of traction, so subscribe <laughs> um and then you'll find the movie in real life in seattle denver or salt lake beginning end of october maybe beginning of november and then yeah i'll have more dates probably okay. soon have you figured <laughs> out sorry it's so big <laughs> no it's okay have you figured out locations yeah they'll be at the evo store you're gonna run them at evo okay cool yeah that's great that's a that's a great place to have it um, and they do a really good job with that stuff for sure. Ha- sidebar before I let you go. How how do you feel about people knowing that you're running the Evo socials now? Um, don't troll me. Be <laughs> nice to me. Like my things. <laughs> Engage. Yeah. I'm the face behind all the Instagram posts. So <laughs> be nice. Yeah, nice comments only. Be nice to me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> awesome. Uh Sierra, thank you for the time.